1: This is in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio, presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F one hundred and fifty is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: Welcome back, everybody, and uh, you are in the locker room with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas SNR, and uh, we got Max fighting the internet. You know, you got to complain to your internet provider. I mean, you just this is this is wrong, man. They didn't even
1: tell yeah. you. Yeah, who puts it at seven, like seven o'clock in the morning, seven twenty-ish, is when it hit, right before we broke on the first segment. I'm like, who does that for for an internet upgrade? Like, why would you do it in the middle of the night? Yeah, like when everybody else is sleeping. Sounds you
2: know? like a plan.
1: It is, but apparently the plan was they wanted daylight, and they wanted to get it when people might be at their most vulnerable, unless they're <laughs> at work. Yep. But they don't realize, they don't take into account, some people work on the East Coast, man. Come on, <laughs> Come bro. on, man. What's the matter with you? Max, one... four hours, a four-hour delay. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I'm off of it.
2: Okay. I'm off of it. All right, one of the things that really – that I was bummed about because I really thought that we were going to see this Steelers defense rise up and take advantage of a Miami Dolph line that had given up five sacks and 13 quarterback quarterback hits the week before against the mini Vikes. So in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, you got an opportunity here to really get after them. But you know what? We came up with Zippo sacks and one quarterback pressure or one quarterback – Hit or bump, whatever they allow these days. But that yeah. was disappointing Interaction. To me. Yes, one interaction. Quarterback interaction. Thank <laughs> you. That's you know what? That's a that's how we should refer to it as. Quarterback interactions. I like that.
1: Yeah. You know, and like I said, and I thought, and man, Alex Highsmith had that one, but he just kind of overran it and ran the hula hoop. Yep. And and you you saw Tua kind of feel it and just roll back in the opposite direction. I was like, doggone it, that was it right there. And I can't blame them, but Tua was getting that ball out oh, really quickly. And I also think that because they knew Tua was back, I wonder if there was a little extra incentive as the offensive line mentally. Like, yeah. hey, we, we need to protect him at all costs. You know, hey, if we got to do a little extra clutching, a little extra, you know, push-pull right. to, get, to get the guys. But you, I also saw a lot of chips. Jaceki chipping, Smite chipping, Mostert chipping, Edmonds chipping. I saw a lot of chipping on the edges, which you know allowed for them to kind of you know protect Tua to a degree. But Tua was also getting that ball out quickly. He was was getting it out, firing it out.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. I watched more of the tape this morning. Just I didn't realize how much the Steelers blitzed and how much hot reads he went to. You know, there was a number of them, and that was surprising to me because. Again, from the vantage point we had. Oh, is that a bad vantage point at Hard Rock got, Stadium? That just stunk.
1: A, yeah, it, it was a janitor's closet with a window,
2: essentially. <laughs> well, and the angle, too. Sitting in the corner of the end zone looking linear up, you know, across, and it just gave the depth perception was near impossible. You and I should have been down on the field doing doing this, the game just watching it from the sidelines. That we, That's what we should have done. You know what I mean? It's just you know crazy.
1: We you know, what? we we got to make a, a requisition order next time. Yeah. They'll know hey, we're going to need extra. we're going to need three people on the sideline and we'll yep. just leave Billy and the spotting crew uh up in the booth and we'll just we'll give them live updates outside of what <laughs> Billy could see live of in plays, but all analysis will be done from the field.
2: Exactly so. But again, you know, the fact is the pass rush was really ineffective uh, to say the least considering what Tua was able to do especially early on. It was interesting because he was really getting that ball out and like you said his ability to again I go back to that one time he did a pirouette, a complete pirouette and threw the ball I'm like going, okay. That's not something you see every day. Somebody who's so athletic he can just, you know, spin like, you know, like he's in a three quart bucket and then come out of it and throw it on the on the backside of the formation. But he was very capable. Now the other thing I'll tell you was, you remember that one time he scrambled because we went into the game knowing that he had only run for one yard in, in in all his previous games, which to me was ridiculous. I thought. So he certainly must be having a lot more rushing yardage than that. But he rushed, and he went headfirst into Trey Norwood. Do you remember that play?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
2: you think he was was making a
1: statement there? Making a full-on statement and then, you know, escape right up the middle too. Right. It wasn't even like a sideline where, okay, maybe he could either duck out of bounds and avoid contact. No, he went straight up the middle and was looking for a collision to happen just so he could prove that he was okay. Which, I mean, yeah, you want to do that because I'm sure everybody was on edge. Everybody was holding their breath about if he got hit, if he got sacked, what was the result going to be. But he answered the test. He answered the call, and it ended up, you know, being something that people were like, I felt like everybody could finally take a breath, right? You know, I was like, (sighs) okay. We don't have to worry about him going down or it looking bad aesthetically, and I'm sure – the entire medical staff on the sidelines where for, for the dolphins with, with, was holding their breath <laughs> yeah like no no, oh, no 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 get down no no what are you doing what are you doing we just got you back and no I mean he, he answered the call which you know get you know I, I could say that I'm sure even for me as a football fan outside of being a sideline reporter for for our team I was a little bit relieved too. Just because, you know, we had that long conversation um, after it happened, after the Thursday night game against Cincinnati about the negligence and about protecting guys. At the end of the day, you want to see um, good football play, regardless of what the outcome is going to be. Right. And, you know, nobody wants to see that type of injury just because that, that, that mental blow to the psyche of a football player is just so fragile, and, you know, your heart would ache regardless. Because oh, imagine yeah. if you're the guy that delivers that hit, not having that type of intent in your heart, it could mess you up inside. So I was just glad that that was not placed upon any guy on the field um, Sunday night.
2: No question about it. No question about it. Now, just, again, going back to the pass protection, you know, again, the mini bikes absolutely raided the, the, the backfield of the Dolphins the week before, like I said, I mean, think about it. Five sacks and 13 quarterback pressures or hits, whatever interactions, as we put it, That, that that's astounding. But one of the things that I was I was watching was trying to watch for Liam Eikenberg and Greg Little side-by-side side there to be able to see how they'd handle the twist. They handled the twist better than they had the week before, but they still – there was a couple times you, there was some pressure, but it was late pressure. You know, late interaction with the quarterback. Yeah, late
1: interaction. I mean, they did better. But like I said, that also was aided by the ball getting out so quickly. Right. Like, that was, that was the big imperative thing to where you get the ball out and there's not a lot of time for them to react. It's like, just get in front of a guy and just stay in front of him. And I thought that they did a good job of just staying in front because there was pressure there. There was the push, but at the same time, the ball's coming out, so they're feeling better, and they're, they're gaining confidence. I mean, just like we talked about the offensive line in the early part of this year, right? Like the more success, many successes you have, right, the more confidence you have, the more aggressive you can be with pushing things a little bit harder on the envelope. Maybe, maybe you can short set a little bit quicker, be a little stout just to give that extra quarter of a second to have the second of time just by being aggressive and I thought that it it just played well (laughs) and I think also it was the incentive that we've gone through three quarterbacks we're back to our first quarterback so please God let's let's make this work
2: (laughs) yeah I mean really if you want to know how bad the the Miami offensive line had been struggling you simply look at the number of quarterbacks they ran through there You know, in only six games they had gone through three, and I think they were. They, I think uh, Teddy Bridgewater had gone in there twice.
1: You know, yeah. yeah. You know,
2: I mean, so I, I, they, they got suddenly better. I will say this, and they got suddenly better because of the fact you got a guy back there who got rid of the ball quickly, got him on their p's and q's, got him in and out of the huddle, doing the things that you got to do, and he, he he really, I, I got to tell you, his play action work was, I thought. Just like Mike Tomlin talked about, it was outstanding. He really did a good job of, you know, with you know very Boomer and like play action stuff, hiding the ball, doing, st- getting rid of the ball quickly after coming out of his fakes and stuff like that. It was it was just a, it's one of those points in time where it's the Heinz Ward, take your hat off and give it to him.
1: Yeah, listen. It, it, it's you say Boomer, I say Peyton. Yeah, Boomer, okay. Peyton, Boomer, Peyton. <laughs> Peyton, Peyton well, that's because I'm an old the, guy. That's why. And nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think we give a nice blend of, you know, the past and the the the, 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 the not so past. <laughs> the past and the ancient. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, it's further, further, vintage. We'll go vintage. Vintage, vintage sounds vintage. better. No doubt Bridget about it. sounds that. way better. But I think you're right. I mean, th- th- there's guys who just master that play action head fake or the ball fake in the belly or being able to pull it out and then deliver a rocket. Those that do, they stick in our minds. And-, and I think that's something that Tua is starting to establish with himself and realize he can use it as a true advantage for himself. Um, you know, when you have the person to be able to accomplish it in that way, you take full advantage. And he did. Um, when well, you know that Tyreek Hill is going to be on that backside post or the backside slant by Waddle is going to be there. So let me look it off a little bit longer in this one direction because I know they're going to be there at this point in time because they're that fast and you can put it on them. And I thought once the Steelers figured it out, that they, they, they knew that that was, that was the plan. You saw them play a little bit tighter and you prevented that and forced two and a half to make adjustments on the throw because now he can't lead them in stride. He has to put it more right on them or a little bit behind them just to make sure they secure the catch mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the catcher or runs that were happening the first two drives of the game.
2: Well, you know what? Why don't we go to break, Max, because I want to come back and ask you about Najee Harris, about the running game and what was going on at the end of the line with the uh, a little bit of off tackle stuff. We talked about it during the game. We didn't really get to unpack it. But, uh, you know, you take a look at it. We, we got Derek Watt. We got uh, some of the influence block on the 16G stuff. Want to mm-hmm. break that down in the next segment because I think it's interesting.
1: Yeah, no, let, let's definitely do that. So let's step aside. I was point that, hey, the godfather of Pittsburgh sports has, is back. That's right. Stavern on every. Stan Sabrin, Not Stavern <laughs> Stan Sabrin on everything Steelers um, coming to you live. New podcast dropping every Tuesday today and Thursday every week. Um, make sure you go subscribe, like, listen to it on any place that you get podcasts. But more specifically, the Steelers mobile app is the easiest way to get it. Then iHeart's number two. And then, of course, all the other ones fall in line after that. So make sure you go like and subscribe today. And like you said, like Wolf said, we're going to talk a little bit more run game and talk about the offensive prowess that was not Kenny Pickett and that was the offensive line and running back here when we come back in the locker room on SNR and ESPN Radio. locker room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers nation radio presented by your neighborhood Ford store the f-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers
2: pick it in the gun hands it off, and turning it upfield. that's Najee and he's following a block by Pickens artfully and gets more than enough for the first down indeed Najee Harris finished with 17 carries for 65 yards I uh, had a little problem with issues at times with uh, being contacted before he even gets to the line of scrimmage, which is, in my mind still, look, this offensive line is still making progress, still getting better, but the fact of the matter is you have some uh, inconsistencies. They bounce around. For instance, you got uh, one time uh, you got a run-through on a, on a, a one play and dropping Najee for a loss, but on the next play, Kevin, Kevin Dotson, which allowed the run-through, uh, comes back and he pancakes his man on another play. And you see that sort of yin and yang of this offensive line. On one hand, doing some outstanding work. On the other hand, oop, get kicked in the can with something. James Daniels, he's downfield on a, on a screen or an RPO, can't remember which. But then he comes back, and a few plays later, I see him pancake somebody. You know, um, Dan Moore, he splats Mel Ingram and comes back, gets a holding call, which I thought, again, was a ticky-tacky holding call. Nonetheless, it was called. Again, there's this yin and yang, Max, that's going on with the offensive line overall before we start breaking it down with some of that off-tackle stuff, and one of the guys that really has been playing consistently throughout is the center Mason Cole. I think he's been doing a pretty darn good job of holding the point, doing the things he needs to do, and, and being consistent, and one of them I absolutely loved when the Blitz in Miami Dolphins tried to earhole him at the snap, he... he Stuffed that that guy blitzing. it was a Landon Roberts and trashed him. I mean, threw him down and gored him like old-fashioned football, like it used to be. It was tremendous. So this is an offensive line again. The yin and yang. We got to get more of the yin, the good stuff, rather than the yang, not so good stuff.
1: No, I, and I agree. I, th- I think you're seeing the progress. You're seeing the uh, the growth of this offensive line. Now, obviously, teams are going to game plan and have some particular rundown blitzes in their favor given off of our tendencies. And sometimes you'll hit right. And sometimes you'll hit wrong. Um, but like you said, I mean, the key is can you get Najee back to the line of scrimmage clean? Because if you can get him clean at the line of scrimmage or a little bit beyond good things happen. But I think far too often early on, he was getting contacted in the backfield. So that allows you to hesitate. Um, but you think about when he hesitated out in the open field, good things happen, right? I mean, yeah. you, you want to see it seven yards downfield, Wolf, yes. not two yards in the backfield Absolutely. that he's making those decisions because that's when that effectiveness and that's when the space is your friend. The space is not your friend in the backfield um, to do that. You just got to get north and south. But I do appreciate the intent that with which Najee ran, right? Now, a second week without that steel plate, um, you could see some of the pop, some of the explosion back from Najee running a lot harder, and it, w- it was nice to see. And the offensive line, of course, is a direct reflection of that. How how goes the offensive line? And so shall your run game go? And it was good mixed with bad, um, but you know, I felt like it was it was a move in the right direction as far as the offensive line using the combination blocks, like you said, the influence blocks, some of the pull blocks and having a good job. And another guy that I'm, I'm going to throw smoke on, Chooks for, mm-hmm. But Chukes has been that kind of unsung, steady Eddie guy of the offensive line throughout the season. But now you're starting to see everybody kind of raised to that same level. And, of course, it's making guys pop on film when we watch it. Like you said, Mason Mason Cole starting to, starting, starting to look more settled. James Daniels, you know, getting a little bit more into it. And I think that was a screen where he got the illegal man downfield. I think the timing was okay. thrown off a little bit. Yeah, I couldn't remember which he, it was. Because on the replay, you know, you kind of saw him kind of floating and looking to the inside while the ball was being thrown behind him. So I think it was just it was just the timing of it was off. And, you know, when your timing's off on a screen, when you've oh. got elephants on parade, you know, you can't exactly hold up the herd. No. You, gotta, you, you, you just have to keep up and keep pace and stay out of the way or else you get stepped on. Um, so I think that's what happened in that situation, but still, you know, instinctual, like you said, still a lot more growth to go, but it's still trending in the right direction. It's still getting better. I mean, the times when they were effective is when you bring six and you only got five to block four and you're trying to do your best to take up space while blocking a guy. But once again, that, that's a near impossible yeoman like task, right? You know, it's like John Wick. Like, we're going to give you the impossible task to complete if you want out. Um, and, and, you know, it's just – it's impossible for a reason. So, I mean, they did hit home a couple times, but um, I thought the offensive line did, did a pretty bang-up job blocking up um, and, and creating holes and opportunities for Najee.
2: There's no doubt in my mind. Now, listen, one of the things that was interesting to me was how they started to use Najee in, in more of a linear Rushing attack. I don't think this guy is a cutback guy. I, I really don't. You know what I mean? I, I I don't know. Do you remember what kind of offense he ran at Alabama? You know, did was there a fullback mm. in the backfield? I can't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't follow college yeah. ball that much.
1: Yeah. No. So they they were they ran a, they ran a man pro style offense. Okay. Um. Either with an H back or with a true fullback. Um. You know, some lead ISO counter. Type stuff, and then of course you had you had your you had your traditional outside zone type of plays, right? And inside zone. I mean, but it was very pro style. But he okay. he, he he had the benefit of a lead blocker more often than not. Because okay. that's just how Alabama loves to function.
2: Well, I like it myself too, and we saw some of that with Derek Watt being used as an offset, either fullback or H back and being able to lead inside. And one of the things I loved was when they started to stretch some of that outside zone stuff with the tight end crossing the face of the end man on the line, trying to get him outward, you got Derek coming up inside, who'd give a little bumper tag to that uh, tight end, you know, the inside protecting the inside of the in- inside hip of the tight end. Then you get up to the second level and get a linebacker. And that that's one instance I thought of Matt Canada using some smart stuff to get the running game going a little bit. And I thought that that Najee was very receptive in being able to run behind that, and especially the lead back sort of concept. Uh, I've always been in favor of using it more, not not exclusively. I don't think you have to go, like back in the day, we were always a a two-back, a split-back offense. You know, that was 80s, 90s sort of Mm -hmm. football, the split-backs. But you've got a situation where you've got Derek Watt leading out, and the guy's like a Brahma bull. You know, what I mean, he's thick-necked. Uh, he is. He's one of those. Uh, he's one of those. Uh, uh, you know, square heads, You know, he's going to hit you right in the hole, right in the choppers. And I say that affectionately as a guy who appreciates good bangers that go up into the second level and do do their work. And he's one of those guys that does. But you know that, and besides that, the sixteen G. You know what I'm talking about? Where you pull the onside guard. And the tight end of that side, he gives a sort of a pass fake to the end man online, and goes up to the second level. Then you kick out with a guard. I thought those two plays were indicative of how Najee best runs the ball on a slasher type of operation where it's not a, the cutback is not a big thing. You know what I mean? It's about hitting the hole and hitting it full speed.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, it's trusting your blockers, right? Trusting your lead blockers right. and following them and not 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 going not going a wall, right like kind of get a little bit of patience but stay on track um when you have a lead blocker mm-hmm. in most cases that's where you have the most success and i think he really trusted that i think before he probably second guessed it like ah this hole looks too good to be true no no, no that's the hole we said we said b gap we're pulling in b gap you know or if it's c gap kick out we're c gap kicking out so you got to follow it and i thought he did a good job of Following and trusting, like you said, having Derek Watt in the backfield, having even Connor Hayward in the H back a couple Absolutely, of times. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, trusting those guys to 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 pave a path for you to be successful. I thought was really good. The only the only blame I give to Najee, at fourth and one, mm. where he tried to hop. Remember, he dove. Dan Moore. He literally he dove. No, it was the it was the one where Jalen Phillips came to the inside and he had the guy off the edge and Nazi tried to knife the gap.
2: I watched the By end jumping. zone of that this morning, and it's yeah. it's a fourteen thirty one of the fourth quarter, and you watch that from the end zone, and you can see there's two things that happened besides Jalen Phillips taking the inside on Dan Moore because Jalen reaches with his left arm while Dan's got his right one all locked up, and. Yeah, Edelin, whatever, 42, I can't remember his name. He scrapes from the outside, so he falls back inside to, to try to take out Najee's legs. You got Jalen Phillips uh, from the inside reaching across with his arm, but a Landon Roberts, which I didn't see, he came over and, and caught Najee as he dove. You know what I mean? So he didn't get far. Mm-hmm. That was the third peg that I didn't see from, from way up top. You couldn't see nothing. But anyhow, if yeah. can check that out for me because just to make sure that my brain is not begoggled on that. Uh, but that, however you want to call uh, it, they did not I, get I, the first time I will down.
1: later once I have internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll
2: make up anything right now because you can't contradict me. You ain't got internet. <laughs> yep.
1: Can't, can't fact check. Can't do anything. Can't fact check me. <laughs> Flying blind
2: here. Flying Fly blind. Here. But, but- – It's what you said. It's a combination.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a combination. But I was just wondering, had he not left his feet, what the result would have been? Yes. Yes. Was just lowering his head and just charging forward. I feel like he would have gotten that yard. But once you take your – once you jump in the air, you're susceptible to gravity and float. and And you have to float without any help. Whereas I felt like you know, and that's why I thought Jalen Phillips kind of hit the leg, which then led to the diving motion as opposed to his hurdling motion. It might have been goes it might have been in Danny's
2: more Danny Moore's leg that he hit, you know, because Jalen ah, pushed him okay. inside and back, you know. So mm. that's a situation. There's three insta- There's three of them combining in one area, regardless okay. of it. It's like you said. Once you launch. You, you're, you're no longer got the ability to use your ligamentation and ham hock drive. You know, it's yeah, now yeah, you're in the, the air. The, the, I,
1: the explosion, it's, it's like taking the fuse out of dynamite, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. I don't know about you. I don't have a lot of float. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> no, no. Only in a, only in a high, high salt uh, or <laughs> needed uh, body of water do I, do I possess float. Any other chlorine, fresh water, everything else, it's more sink. <laughs>
2: Well, that's that's what Naji ended up in is in, in a non floatable in a sinking fashion because that was unfortunate. But again, we've seen now where some of the the you know the the blocking schemes are are I think they're adapting more to the strengths of Naji. At least I hope so. To me, it looks like it. I love the fact you brought up about uh, Connor Hayward being used more. You know what? This this young man. I, I gotta. I just had this feeling. There's more there than what we're seeing, and what could possibly grow into an even bigger niche as this season progresses. Because when you use him on hide routes, the guy the guy's in easy five yards. You know, five eight yards a catch. You know, he's going to get you yeah. on those things. And then you come back and you 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 watch what he's capable of with that. Like he had that forty yard or forty five yard or whatever it was. Um, you know. That that's that's mm-hmm. something he's capable of doing. He's got some really good hands.
1: No, he he's he's got great hands and you know he's a guy that I think as Kenny gets more comfortable with spreading the ball out, right, he'll start looking to those check downs, start looking to those little halfback flare wraps out to the side, right? If a linebacker is committing to his own drop versus carrying him man and in, in that Blair, in that flare quick zone, one-step slant zone. Um, so, I mean, Najee's gifted. I think Jalen Warren is gifted. I think we have a lot of gifted pass catchers, mm-hmm. especially out of our backfield, that there should always be a reasoning, and hopefully Steeler fans do not get upset when I say this. Sometimes you have to throw it short of the sticks and allow for a little bit of running room and momentum to take over because, like you said, just as we put the emphasis on the quarterback as high praise and high risk as well and high criticism, you still have to understand that everybody else is also a part of that. You know, They play into that as well. And as Kenny gets more comfortable, then you'll see more spread utilization. Uh, right now he's kind of got prior move, pick and Claypool, like, as the first options that he's looking at, then Deontay, of course, is going to get his. um, But it just dictates by game, and as he gets more comfortable, I think you will start to see more swing, a little bit more screen play. Now, I was upset about the screen um, that we did run in the game to Najee, and two of our guys ran into each other on the screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was yeah I I know you you were like man I hate when guys don't get out it's like they got out yeah but they got out and then got back in to each other um at the same time I was like God because it was there it was there you know if if um I be- I want to say I believe it was Kevin Dotson and James Daniels getting out on that screen could uh, be.
2: If, I can't think yeah, of it right now off the top of my flat head. Yeah. Here.
1: if K dot, if K dot, and and uh, and Je- and, uh, and James Daniels don't run into each other, I think you have a better, huh, bet a better time with that. But I am happy to see that that's actually an option. Um, with, with the, the offense, the yeah. screen, the screen yeah. game, yeah, yeah, just being an element in there, I'm just happy to see it because people now, you, even if you don't run it, people got a game plan for it. And they take time away from some other area, right? Because that time you can't really get back. So you try and make sure that you get as much of it as possible on film and that teams are having to now spend and dedicate resources to getting that, you know, down, oh, we got to rep this. Even if you never run it again, in fact, they put it in there. But I would love to see them run it again because I think the more you do it, the more comfortable guys get. It's just about a matter of reps. The reps create the timing. Um, last night's Monday night football game. I thought was a prime example. Oh yeah. You know, the reps with Justin field and we, we shot that ball out to Khalil Hill, uh, Herbert and he took, the, he took that screen, you know, caught it and we just went North and South immediately. And he didn't stop until he actually ran through the end zone. So I thought that's something like, man, I can't wait for you at that level when we could throw that type of pass. Right. A little side sidearm swing pass to your running back and letting him just do absolute work and make it miserable for the opponent.
2: You know, no question about it. I saw that opened up right away. I love screens. I just love screens. You know, the the most disheartening time, one of the things I had to learn the hard way was, you and the backside peel man, if he doesn't peel, right, because you got a kick out man, and then you're turning up, and there's two of you almost like side by side, and you both think and point to a guy that you think the other guy's going to get, and you just, you part you run around him, thinking the other guy's gonna pick him up. And it, you know, it's kinda of like one of those pop flies in baseball where they're both looking at each other like, you know, you get it, no, you get it, and then the ball lands right in between the two. You know, it's the same thing on a screen. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, yeah. I learned don't leave a guy sitting out there. If it takes two of you to take him out, get the two you know, two of you on him, but don't leave one guy sitting out there splitting or parting the two of you and so he goes right up, and makes the hit. You know, that that was that was learned kind of mm-hmm. the hard way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, learn the hard way, but learn nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, but you know, I, I get, you know, you know, you know what, we're going to step aside. We're going to continue that thought. Walk. Okay. I just realize I looked at the timer. Oh. I want to make sure we have plenty of time on that, on that, on this last How can set, you, tell? But... you don't have an internet. You got your watch on? <laughs> I do have my watch. It is charged. So okay, good. That, that's the only thing saving me right now is that my watch is, uh, <laughs> is working. But nothing else is. But yeah, let's let, let's finish up on that thought and a couple more thoughts about it before the Tom Presser, which will come on immediately after after in the locker room and before Stan Saverin comes on air. Um, but let's step aside real fast. Let's pay some bills, especially to our podcast, amazing podcast lineup on SNR. In case you missed it, you know you can go download full episodes of our of our shows and many of the other shows on the lineup as well as podcasts. And other information, we have the Steelers game day podcast with Mike Tomlin and Bob Labriola, the man, the myth, the legend, all things Steelers talking with coach on game day that's released every game day um, right before the game starts. So make sure you go listen to that. And of course, our full lineup, like I said, the blitz, the standard in the locker room and many more. But uh, you are in the locker room for at least one more segment here on SNR and ESPN Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio, presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I
2: just think my my guys can make it. Um, Is it easy? No, but um, we all have to be responsible for that. We didn't get enough pressure up the middle. Uh, I know it came out quick a lot, but, um, you know, it came down a couple plays, and we just didn't make enough. Alright,
1: that was Captain Cam Hayward uh, talking about the effort on the defense, about everybody having to play their role and of course Tua getting the ball out you know, rather quickly, not allowing the pass rush to really establish um, and Wolf, we talked about it earlier, just simply how good the play action was by Tua early on, uh, the team getting kind of a beat on it and then kind of minimizing uh, the damage at that point. Like I said, anytime you can hold Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell out of the end zone and below 100 yards receiving, I think you're doing the right thing. That means there's not a lot of yak. That means that that guys are sticking to guys like like Flypaper and providing that. But we're going to shift our attention back once again to the offense um, and just kind of, you know, final thoughts, I think, Wolf, about where, you know, you kind of give this a grade when you look at the positions on the offensive side of the ball, and what did you glean as probably your favorite moment in the game, which I know is not a tremendous amount to work with, especially offensively, when all your scoring was done in the first half. But I mean, what 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 is your final thoughts on on the position groups?
2: Well, you know, I, I see inconsistency offensively. Obviously, that's the big thing, you know. But here we we. Kenny led drives of 13, 12, 12, and 10 plays, you know, and they led to a field goal touchdown. Now you went interception, interception, the last two. So that, you know, structurally that takes away all the joy and excitement of putting together some excellent drives. But I look at them, and, you know, one of the things that, that really stood out to me was you put Fryermuth and Pickens together, and you got 15, I think it's 15 targets and 14 receptions, and you got 136 yards and one TD. Right. And you take a look at uh, if you put Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson together, you don't I don't have the numbers right in front of me like I did the Friarmouth one. But, you know, there was 10 targets. No, what was it? Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. 18 targets, 10 receptions and 83 yards uh, by Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. And in my mind, it just heightens the need to, you know, you still want to bring up Deontay. You still want to bring up Chase. Friar Muth and and Pickens are a couple of guys that really got that uh, sort of uh, you know that that resolute that that ESPN what well, I always call it the ESPN thing you know where you're mentally you got that thing going on between the two of you that relationship and it's productive and it produces I mean both the two longest passes were 21 and 30 yards uh, that was Fryeermouth and Pickens and and you know with Johnson and Claypool it was 14 and 12 you know, again, there was just more production in that area. And sometimes you got to shift your focus, your lens, and go more towards, I think, maybe Pickett and, and uh, you know, and um, I'm sorry, Pickens and friarmouth Yeah,
1: I, I think they've definitely shown that they are the top two favorites right now, Kenny. Um, security in the middle and a guy who like a splashy play down the sidelines. Um, but I think you do have to – Continue to incorporate. No doubt. I think he's earned it as well out of the 12 personnel package. And like you said, I mean, Deontay and chase are getting the volume of the targets because of them being older. But I think when we're talking about winning and losing, you've got to incorporate it it to a point where everybody feels involved. You can't just ice anybody out because of performance. You got to keep bringing them along, keep building the confidence. And I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, we're watching the growth of a new nucleus um, on the offensive side of the ball and still searching for that identity. But, you know, the things that have worked are working at the moment. Um, but we also know that also that, you know, it's, it's tough with a rookie quarterback, right? Because everything is still so new to him. Sure. Every new stadium, every new personnel grouping, you don't know how to win in a lot of these places, so you have to be on your Ps and Qs.
2: Absolutely, no doubt about it. And again, you see the growth that Kenny's undergoing. I, again, I, I, I may, you know, I'm one of those. I, I see a glass half empty and a glass half full, and I, I simply say, drink it and move on. You know. You you learn by experience, and the only way you learn good experience is to know what bad experience is. The only way that you can handle uh, you know the good stuff is to know that you've been through the bad stuff. It 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 just goes hand in hand. That's what life is. That's what sports is. That's what this this whole season is is a, is a teaching experience. And Kenny's going to grow from it. And on the other side, the other flip of the coin too are the other guys. Defensively speaking, you know, you've had to learn how to play defense without TJ Watt, without your best player, maybe on the team. You know, I mean, you're talking about the defensive player of the year. And I think there's growth there. Now, not as much as we all want to see, you know, but the fact is, it it is what it is. And and guys are starting to step up. We saw in, in a limited sample that DeMarvin Leal has some interesting characteristics that he's able to apply on the defensive end. We see now Isaiah Loudermilk now has an opportunity to do the same thing. You you know, we see Isaiah. It's funny to see a guy 6'7 standing up, you know, kind of like Ted Hendricks, the mad stork back in the day, although Isaiah is not any Ted Hendricks. He's not near as skinny, first of all. (laughs) He's he's a (laughs) bigger man than Ted Hendricks was. But simply put, you know, you're seeing him uh, adapt to a role that I'm sure – he didn't have any, any concept that he'd be playing when he reported to the training camp. You know, and you move forward, and these guys are learning. I see Devin Bush making some solid starts now, and, and things are coming along for him. He's making some serious plays. I love the fact that Robert Spillane, Devin Bush, and Miles Jack are being used in, in together almost like a stack 4-3 in some of the defensive packages that they run um it's very interesting to me to see how this develops so again they're moving forward everybody's got an opportunity not everybody but i mean you know what i'm talking about the you know guys are are, have the opportunity to step up in the absence of some people and be able to stamp their own uh this this is who i am you know because you get it on film it's who you are okay we got you max are you gone no, I'm I'm here. Oh, okay, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, I lost you for a moment yeah. there. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of went out a little bit, but no, no, I, I think you're right. I think when we're looking at the season and and you're and you're going through what you're saying, bright spot, bright spot, question need to come along a little bit more, but there's a lot to continue to watch, and this journey's still going. Yes, right, we're not yes. even halfway through the season, so <laughs> there's a lot more opportunity um, for this team to grow, and like you said, watching Kenny Pickett develop his relationships defensively, watching guys come into their own um, with the right influences around them. I think it is a huge benefit that Devin Bush has a Miles Jack in there, a guy that he can identify with, with similar skill sets and prowess and figuring out how do you get into this four down look that they've had to adjust to when you're a three down team um, has been interesting. And Isaiah milk. that was that was interesting seeing him at six seven playing yeah. outside linebacker type elephant in role. Um, but continue to grow it, you know, until you get TJ. back, This is kind of how you have to be as a defensive line and as a front seven. Um, is figure out the best combination for everyone involved. But Wolf, that's it for today because we got Mike Tomlin coming up. Yes, we, we do. Hear the words from the from the man. So we're gonna step aside and make sure we, we leave enough ban- bandwidth and time for them to connect. Um, th- you've been in the locker room with Mr. Craig Wolfley and I'm Max Starks. Once again, please feel free to go and download all of our shows right there on Steelers mobile app, iHeartRadio, and all the other podcastification centers. And we'll be back here tomorrow in the locker room. Same bat channel, same bat time, 10 to noon. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week.